0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment, and I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than thirty minutes, so let's get started. So I hear that in a huge turn of events, that you are going to launch a new app pretty soon,
1: and that it's possibly an Apple Watch app. It is a, a new app, and it is an Apple Watch app. I mean, it is a wild, you know, a wild turn from my past history and the last five years of my life, where <laughs> this this may have been something that I've done. Um, more than a dozen times, but in, in a wild turn of events, <laughs> wow. it is um, it is something that uh, I'm doing, and so it's um, it's not it's not quite out when this we're recording now. So I'm not I'm going to you know there'll be a few little things like the name of the app that I'm not quite ready to, to, to share yet. But my next app um, is going to be surprise, surprise, an, app, an Apple Watch uh, related app, and at a high level, it's probably useful to just kind of get a sense. So the app is about. Um, Making a superly a super high level of customization for the complications um, that you display on your watch. So it's this very kind of this wide set of a lot of different complications with a lot of different configurations um, and ways to kind of configure them and schedule them and do them. Um, and then additionally, like on the watch side, I, it's it's kind of a, a way a way for me to combine a lot of what I've learned uh, from a lot of different other apps over the years that I've built uh, on the watch. And kind of put them together into one place. And in the most amazing part of it is, I got to use SwiftUI for this, um, which um, I got to say, just sort of side note to the topic that we're going to get into for the most of the show. But SwiftUI on the watch is like amazing. It is t- transformative to the experience as a developer of, of making watch apps. That um, like it's it's quirky, it's weird. There's some things about SwiftUI that I don't like, um, but ultimately it's allowed me to do things that I just couldn't do uh, before. And so it's been really fun to be able to kind of explore that, play with it, and see what's possible. Or even just to, to have, it's nice to when I'm developing, to have this sense of like, huh, it would be nice if I could like do this little effect or have this little animation, or it'd be cool if I did this little thing. And in SwiftUI, the, the answer is usually, it's possible. It might be tricky, but it's possible. Whereas with WatchKit, the answer was often like, that's not possible. Like you're just you're stuck. You you there's there's no there's nothing you can do. You're you know you've reached the end of a road, um, and so it's really kind of fun to have uh, that open as a possibility um, for this new app. But I think the main thing that I kind of thought would be an interesting topic for the show and for us to talk about is a little bit of the the history and the economics of watch development um, because I think it's in, entering into um, kind of an interesting place now that we have SwiftUI and then I feel like the platform itself has fairly and relatively matured um, like it's in the devices have sort of seemed to have settled down reasonably well. Like the series four and the series five watches are very similar. They have sort of have a, a lot in common and visually I feel like we're in probably about the place that the Apple watch is going to be for a little bit. Like I doubt that we're going to see quite as many kind of radical changes like from the, the the early watches to uh, the series four and five where the screen got a lot bigger and kind of went more edge to edge. Like there's another thing that's funny, you know, on the phone is that we've, you know, we keep having these like bigger and bigger devices, and that for a while that was this, you know, it's like how big or how many pixels are is Apple going to put on a phone? But um, on the watch, I feel like there's a limit there because it's, it's you know being strapped to your wrist, and so my guess is we're kind of settling into a place where you know this is what Apple Watch is, and this is what Apple Watch development is, but like the fundamental question um, and certainly for someone who wants to do this as a, as you know, sort of as part of their profession is like can you make a living can you is it you know is it vi- viable from an economics perspective um, to make apple watch apps like is it and i think the history of this has been very sort of telling in some ways that there was an initial period where you know apple first announced apple watch apps if they first came out there's a lot of people who added Apple Watch apps to their apps, you know, and you can even big companies like Instagram had a, an Apple Watch app in their app for a while. Um, and then there was this period where they kind of just kind of all started to fall away and there were fewer and fewer Apple Watch apps. There was fewer and fewer people who, um, were working on them. And I think there was a variety of technical reasons, but I think there was also some like economic reasons for that, that I think it was a difficult, um, platform for a lot of people to want to, invest in invest time and energy into because the economic case um, just wasn't as good. And maybe that's not the case necessarily for like an Instagram, like Instagram, probably just they're making their like, they they were making it because it got them on the stage for Apple or like it was important, but the actual user, you know, the actual use case for it, or the limitations of watch meant that that wasn't, um, wasn't really there. And it's just kind of this, this interesting sort of back and forth. But I think we're entering into an interesting place now with it. But um, it's, it's just still in kind of a funny place cause the, so I took a look um, at, these are my, like my latest statistics for, um, for the Apple watch and like the Apple watch for pedometer plus plus, which is like the app for which I have the broadest, um, reach. Um, it has about a 17% Apple watch adoption rate, um, which is good like seventeen percent of the number of, of like of the people who have iPhones, if that's actually anywhere vaguely close to the number, is like is a pretty good thing. But it's still that's still relatively niche, you know. That's the number of people who are probably still running like iOS twelve. You know, it, it's it's like meaningful but small. Um, and so it's small. And so if you're thinking of taking an economics question, you start to get into like, well, is it worth doing these? Is it worth making this app? Is it, is there a market there for it? I mean, I know you've run into this a lot, Marco, with um The amount of effort you should put into overcast's watch app, right because it's like how how big of an audience is there for this how even in, you know how is it worth and justified the time um and obviously it's, it's less of an economic question directly for you, but it's like it's it's kind of a weird platform um i get the impression for you of like is this worth investing in is it something that you actually want to do
0: you know i I think what we saw you know as you said like at first every i o s company had to have a watch app and then many of them quickly dropped off and I think the reason why is just because we we thought, and I think Apple thought too, no one really knew, but I think we thought at the beginning this was going to be a general app platform similar to the phone. It turned out not to be. It turned out that for lots of reasons, some of them technical, some of them you know software, some of them just the reality of how people ended up using this device, the watch wasn't a, and hasn't become a general computing platform. It has become a very like specified role-based platform where like, In certain roles, it's almost essential to people. You know, things like notifications and fitness, like it's it's very strong in those areas. And in other roles, things like reading the news, (laughs) checking your email, like there are other things where like people just don't do that on their watch. And but we didn't know that when it launched. Like people tried to make guesses about what people would use the watch for, what it would be good at. A lot of those guesses ended up being wrong, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just wasn't what we expected, and so that's why you see these massive shakeouts and everything. But like now. I think it, it totally makes sense to invest in a watch app and, and a good watch experience, including you know, some notification options and stuff like that, um, for some apps and for other apps, it doesn't. My app happens to be one of them. You know, my numbers are actually f- somewhat close to yours. Um, mine are a little higher, um, in percentage of watch people. I have about, uh, 20%, uh, I think, uh, based on my current numbers, about 20% of my users have an Apple watch paired. Um, and, and that's that's not bad you know that that's higher than I would have guessed uh, a couple of years ago um, where I'd be but um, so it's it's a pretty high number but at the same time it's hard for me to make a good watch app which puts me in a frustrating place and I think this is the place a lot of app makers find themselves where the demand might be there but oh and also I should I should clarify you know about 20% of my users have Apple watches not all of them use Watches. The watch app. (laughs) The number of those who use the watch app is lower. And then the number of those who actually use the watch app for more than just looking at the status of playback is even lower than that. Like so I I do keep analytics of like what percentage of my users actually interact with the watch app. Actually like, you know, hit the player pause button on it or hit track skip or, you know, whatever like what percentage people are actually like really like using it as opposed to just glancing at it. And that number is much lower. Um, and I think that's that's probably the pattern that a lot of apps might see. Of like, you might have people who say they want a watch app, actually install the watch app, uh, but then when it comes to actual usage, it just doesn't. They just don't really use it because maybe maybe it isn't as useful as, it, as they thought it would be, or maybe they have other ways to satisfy those needs, or maybe they need to take out their phone every time to do something else anyway. Like like you know like you know Slack for instance, you know or me- you know, any kind of messaging app, they show notifications on the watch, but what would they do with a watch app? I can't respond like anytime I want to respond I want to just take my phone out and respond. You know so like there's there's so many apps like that where it makes sense to maybe show notifications and maybe a basic status screen on the watch but not much else. Whereas there are some applications like what you've been developing for the last few years that they live on the watch that, that having them on the phone is, is kind of nonsensical or, or pointless and that it's really like the meat of it or the entire thing is the watch app. And I I think it just, it isn't all apps. And so this is, it's, it's a specialized thing and for those specialties, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I think the assumption that everyone should make a watch app has been long since disproven, but what's left
1: can be a strong market. Yeah, and I think this is the like the fascinating thing from my own experience, where, Like, so I I, I I sort of tallied up the number of watch apps that I've shipped and launched. So this is beyond like I mean I have probably like twice as many than this like prototypes or things that I've come up with, but I've shipped and launched fourteen um, Apple Watch apps in the <laughs> wow. last five years. <laughs> um, which is a lot, um, is, is certainly more than I when, I, when I sat down to make the list, I kept being surprised that it was like, oh, wait, no, I, I, I did do a watch app for that. Oh, no, I did do a watch app for that. And like, they just kind of kept, came, kept coming. Um, and I would say most of those kind of didn't go anywhere. Like, most of them, and I think er- many of them were in the, those early days. There's that early period where like, I was just coming up with things that I could think of like, I could do on the watch rather than necessarily potentially that like I should do on the watch. And I think learning to know the difference between could and should. Um, on the app on watchOS has been kind of a really interesting journey, just I, mean, I think both for Apple as well as for uh, for third-party developers. But like there's definitely been a couple that have kind of hit on and a couple that um, continue to um, ha- have, have some legs. But for most of them, like they didn't go anywhere um, to start with. But – and like the ones that have had the most sort of attachment so far have, have t- typically been the, um, the health and fitness related things and often, honestly, the ones where – the primary experience is on the phone, um, and the watch aspect of it is like important, but isn't necessarily essential. Um, so I'm thinking of like Sleepless Plus uh, as an example, where it's like the most people's interaction with that app is actually on the iPhone. There is an Apple Watch app, and it does, you know, you can do things on the watch, and it requires a watch to collect the data that it uses. But it's not its primary experience is for most users. Um, is actually on the phone. And that's an experience that it's that pattern that I've seen kind of many times that it can be a useful add on, it can be a useful thing. But if you want to actually have a standalone um, sort of watch experience, it's it's really tricky. And I think the market for those kind of standalone watch experiences is where um, like things get really interesting for me as I'm kind of embarking on this journey for like making an app that is really focused on the watch and is all about the watch's experience. Because it's just harder, I think, to to find a business model and to find a justification that that kind of works for that. Because, like, you know, my, the other apps like Sleepless Plus and Pedometer, like their primary uh, or their primary sort of business case is that they are, um, you know, sort of free with ads, with an in app purchase to hide the ads. It's that kind of kind of classic model um, that I, in general, I've kind of settled on and I kind of, kind of like in that it has allows you to make something free, so you have kind of a broader audience. Um, it re- rewards uh, use because the more they use it, the more they see the ads in it. So that it kind of has a nice virtuous cycle. And um, if people don't like ads or want to support the app, they can you know, buy an in-app purchase and everyone wins. Like it's a great model, but an unfortunate thing is like on the watch that model doesn't really work. Like if you make an app free, it's just free because I mean showing an ad on the Apple watch feels like just, that, that does not feel like something that would work or be scalable. Like this screen is tiny. Can you imagine having like a little like I don't even know like a little twenty pixel like banner on the bottom of your app or something? Like <laughs> that would be awful. Well, And also like what ad content would
0: even fit there? What would the like action path of that ad be? Like sure. if if somebody wanted to respond to the ad, what is what does that look like on the watch? <laughs> do, they, do they go to a web page somehow? Like do you text it to them later or message like I, and then. Imagine like you know, there's again this whole like you know most personal device ever thing that Apple pushed. Wearing an ad yeah. is, I think, another level than just having an ad on an app on your phone. <laughs> you know, like I don't see a lot of people
1: wanting to uh, really do that. I mean, some some wouldn't care, but for- it's like for five minutes of every hour, your complication shows an ad. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like come on, it's like ninety five percent of the time it's showing you what you want to see, and then five percent it's an ad. That. How's this a bad idea you know?
0: yeah yeah that's that's not that's not going to work on the watch so much, no, <laughs> at least it shouldn't, it shouldn't
1: <laughs> I, mean, I mean if someone wants to give it a try, like more power to them, but that, that that it's it that doesn't seem to work, and what's tricky, like from an economics perspective is it's like free with ads is such a like a mainstay of of what we do of iOS development that it's like it is such a primary um, business model for it that I feel like it's tricky that that is just not really it's it's not whether it's practically whether while it's theoretically available on the watch it is not a good solution on the watch um issue ads and so instead what we have is like the classic like well you can do paid up front um which um is fine and up until watchOS 6.2 is kind of the best we could do because um, 6.2, we finally got in a purchase. Uh, finally, that's it. We waited two point revisions, um, but and six
0: major OS's,
1: sure. But we, we didn't have independent, fully independent, well, five um, major OS's, sure. We didn't have fully independent watch apps until watch OS 6. So let's say, so we got it in 6.2, but um, before it was only paid up front, and like paid up front is it's a really it's a really hard market. Like I think like my experience with um, Geneva moon, which is my only um, fully independent watch app um, that I've launched previously, like it did well, it did fine, but it, 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 you know, it's like it made a few thousand dollars, which is, is, is nice. And like, it was, you know, it's a relatively small investment of effort. And so it kind of worked out, but kind of the impression I get is from that app is that, you know, there, it's, it's a hard thing to convince someone like browsing in the watchOS app store um to, to to hit buy and you know pay for something um because it's it's just not a place that, that feels as comfortable and you can certainly download and buy it in the ios app store too but i mean in general paid up front is just really hard because it's you you have to dis, you know you sort of you have to make a person they have to make a choice that they want your app before they've seen your app and you know back on the day old days of the app store everyone wanted free trials like it's still that same problem of like well what do you how do you convince someone that this is going to be something they want something they are, you, know, you have to make a choice before you know, at the point where they know the least about your app they have to make a choice whether they want to buy it or not and so like it's just not a great model um for there either and i think too like paid up front is tricky because it doesn't um it, it 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 doesn't let you kind of capitalize on the people who really Care about your app and really, really want it potentially because you want to probably have your price low enough that you can kind of get somewhat casual people still interested in it and and still using it. Um, but there's probably a much you know there's a narrower group within that um, who would be willing to pay you even more money than um, just like you know a two ninety nine or one ninety nine upfront price. Um, but you can't really do that in a paid upfront model. So like I found that that one doesn't actually work particularly well either and i've tried it for like you know my workout app um workouts plus plus had was paid up was paid up front for a while was free for a while like for a while i just gave it away because i wanted it in the world um but it's like in in no case did it ever really find itself um like a strong economic footing um in in any of those business models like there's just there's not enough interest or the interest that there is isn't enough to kind of like overcome the free to pay um like Wall that you kind of have to deal with, and so um, in in all cases, I feel like watch the economics of watch development are really tricky. But you know, I do have a solution for this, or at least I hope to. I hope to, which we can probably talk about after we talk about something um, that we do like, right?
0: Exactly. We're brought to you this week by Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. They have eleven data centers worldwide now, including their newest one in Sydney, Australia. All of these offer enterprise-grade hardware, their next-generation network, and their new S3-compatible storage option. So Linode delivers the performance that you need at a surprisingly good price. So get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for our listeners, and you will get access to things like their native SSD storage, their industry-leading processors, their new Cloud Manager built on an open-source single-page app. Of course, you will get root access to your servers along with their new API version 4, a Python CLI tool to set up new servers, and I'm a customer. I just the other day set up two Linode servers in part using their their Python CLI tool that I have this big automated script to do and use their API and everything. It's so easy. Like you can script things or you can use the GUI they provide. It's just awesome. Their nanode plans or smallest plans starts as low as five dollars a month, and they have all sorts of stuff that goes above and beyond that for various needs you might have. So go to Linode.com slash radar to learn more and use promo code. Under the radar twenty twenty when creating a new Linode account and you'll get a twenty dollar credit towards your next project. They're also hiring right now. If that interests you, go to Linode.com slash careers. Once again, Linode.com slash radar for that wonderful promo. Get for that twenty dollar credit using promo code under the radar twenty twenty. Our thanks to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So I'm curious, before you get on to, to the, what you're actually doing here, um, I'm curious has the introduction of the App Store
1: last summer on the watch made any noticeable difference for you it's, it's a slightly tricky thing to measure um, in terms of its uh, like I think the reality is, maybe the short answer is yes but not dramatic but meaningful maybe it's like I don't know it's like it's kind of in that mi- in that middle ground where like there's a way if you go into your sales reports um, in, in App Store Connect, you can pull up the source or that is essentially like the source device of a purchase or a download. And if I go in there, and there's a way to see essentially which ones I think came from the Watch App Store. Like it's it says Watch OS, And so the only thing I can imagine is that this is the Watch App Store. But there's not actually like said anywhere explicitly as far as I can tell. And, you know, for Pedometer and Sleepless Plus, I definitely have seen like, you know, it's like something like, uh, you know, maybe like ten percent of my downloads on some days will come from huh. um, that, and it's usually you know coincides with if the app is being featured um in the apps in that app store because I think that app store is a very much you know like it, really it shows like three apps at a time or four apps at a time um in a prominent way, and so if you're one of those and someone happens to be there and your app happens to be free, then it seems certainly like a, a tool for uh, for for discovery. Um I don't think like I, I don't think I have a good way of knowing if people are searching for my apps and then finding them in that app store because searching on the watchOS app store is kind of a, a complicated journey that the user has to go on um, so it isn't necessarily quite as strong there but I will say that it does seem like you know the app store is definitely being opened and if you happen to be fortunate enough to be featured there that while you're featured, you know it can account for some, a meaningful and measurable amount of downloads that it isn't something that is completely kind of like fallen off, um, into nothingness. And I gotta, I would expect that this will, it's, it's an area that will, you know, sort of have a slow growth over time. Um, especially as the watch becomes more and more independent that, um, the app, you know, the, the app store and that being a place that people think to go to get an app, um, you know might increase but even if it is now and if you say it is you know at on, on a good day 10% like that still seems meaningful um, if not like you know it's not it's not this like oh my goodness, it's totally overrun my iOS apps or downloads that's where everyone's getting my apps now. It's like I don't expect that to ever be the case but like it's meaningful and I'm glad it's there and I think it's hopefully just like the start of that uh, of like the, that training and that experience for for customers that that's where they go.
0: That's great. I, honestly, that's those numbers are significantly better than what I would have guessed.
1: Yeah, which I mean, they, that was surprised too. And it's one of those like it's coming from like a, a weird report in, in, in sort of App Store Connect. So like I hope I'm interpreting this data right, but it it seems like that's um, that is where it's coming. So um, it's I'm hopeful that that's actually sort of the start of something new, rather than um, kind of the just a blip or a, mis- or a misunderstanding something there. Cool. So, I guess all of the like the economics questions and things ultimately kind of lead me to think that ultimately, I think if you want to be a sustainable watch app, I think the reality is like you have to be a subscription, and subscriptions are kind of I mean they're they're a hot topic in iOS development recently, um, where. You know, it's Apple seems to be pushing for them. A lot of apps are kind of shifting towards them. There's some re- reluctance and, resili- and sort of, um, you know, ne- negative feedback that a lot of times, you, you know, in an app, especially when an app switches to subscription, um, it can often be really problematic and, you know, users can be upset. But in, in this case, like I, I feel good about the fact that um, I have tried every other every other possible approach and none of them have proved viable. And so it seems the appropriate thing to try. And I think for certain types of apps on the watch, I feel like a subscription makes perfect sense, Um, especially because subscriptions um, often that are associated with Like accessing data or pulling information, which, you know, it's so like, watch this. My my new app includes a lot of, um, you know, complications of different kinds, including things like weather apps or like weather data that you can display in a complication. And like something like that is only viable um, in the context of a subscription because I've made a weather app before and ultimately I had to pull it from the store because the economics didn't balance out where my data costs were exceeding my. Sort of new user income, and it's just like I was paying, you know, paying every month for the privilege of having this app, um, which was not a viable thing. And so, a subscription is the obvious answer for a situation like that, where you know if people want to access weather data, that they pay for that weather data on a regular basis, Um, and that just sort of nicely balances itself out. Um, It hopefully also allows, like the you know, my hope for this app, and you know, it's, it's a niche in the sense of like if you have to. Want you know have have an an Apple Watch and then want to make it more custom to be able to have more control um, over what your complications look like, to have more control over the aesthetics of that, or want uh, Apple Watch experiences that are more um, customizable or unique or specialized than you know just like the built-in workouts app, for example. Like I have a whole bunch of different workout modes, and if you're interested in heart rate training or intervals um, or different kind of metric displays, like I have those for you. And if you care about them, that's great but most people will probably still use just the built-in workouts app. And like, that's okay. And a subscription seems like a great answer for those kind of people too, where if you have like a narrow, but passionate and engaged user base who gives you a regular amount, you know, it gives you a significant amount of money on a regular basis. Like you have a business, that's really all you need. Like, I love the thought that a subscription, you know, you only, if you only have, um, say only, it's like, if you're able to get a few thousand people, to be subscribers like you very quickly have a sustainable like justifiable business um and the concept of getting you know hundreds of thousands of people kind of daunting and scary but getting a couple thousand like doesn't seem nearly as crazy to me doesn't seem nearly as this intractable hard marketing problem um you just have to like if you can find that few thousand people who really care about it who really get what you're trying to do and really are engaged like you have a business And so like, that's kind of my hope is that it's for this kind of an app where it's a bit, you know, it is something that is, you know, like the normal, the the, the traditional iOS business models just don't really seem to work or be viable, that going subscription and, you know, appealing to a group of people who hopefully you can kind of, you can draw in because it's doing something that uh, for a device and the way the which they use the device that they really care about, like my hope is that it will be you know, sort of work and be just justified. But it's certainly an experiment. I expect to report back um, on under the radar in the next, you know, a couple of weeks as I, after I launch this app, hopefully next week, and kind of get a sense of is that true? Like, is it possible to get a couple thousand people who care about um, watchOS development and realities? If they don't, and like if I can't, I mean, it could just mean that my app's bad, but it also might just be an indication that like as an app platform, it's in kind of an awkward place.
0: Well, and the thing with subscriptions too. I mean, this applies to any app with subscriptions. Like, you know, as we talked about many times before, it makes a lot of sense. Like, that is a business model that makes a ton of sense given the realities of the market we're in, where where you know the paid upfront just you know workflow, purchase flow, and realities of the market are very hostile right now, and and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, you need to get some kind of like you know cheaper free trial upfront before anybody will actually pay anything, and also people expect updates forever like and and for free like nobody wants or not for free but like without having to buy a new version of the app like nobody nobody likes the old model of like you know you've been using you know so and so app 2.0 but it's not compatible with WatchOS 7 now and that's just not going to work anymore you gotta you gotta now pay us more money all of a sudden for you know so and so app 3.0 like that model has a lot of haters and a lot of problems and subscriptions also have a lot of haters and a lot of problems, but I think subscriptions are a better fit right now for the realities of what people expect and what developers need to stay afloat right now. You know, in this world of kind of expected constant, infinite maintenance updates, um, like you need constant revenue coming in for that. And so, not everyone likes that. Just like not everyone likes the old upgrade pay model, not everyone will pay. But you don't need everyone to pay. <laughs> you need some people to pay. And you know, we we thought there'd be like subscription fatigue and everything. That hasn't happened. So I think it's okay. And I think some people will be upset about that, just like anybody who ever uses this this payment model. But overall, you'll find enough. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. And that's my hope. Is I think what's interesting with subscription fatigue is it's like individual people have subscription fatigue. The giant marketplace that is iOS and like iOS and Apple development probably won't in the same way. That like you you know and that's okay. You don't need to appeal to everybody because the nature of a subscription is your value of each individual person is so much higher. Like that you just need a few, and that's my hope. Is that if I can find a few, find a few people who really care and who kind of are engaged in what I'm doing, then then I have a business, and then I'm off to the races. And like that's my hope.
0: Well, good luck. I can't wait to see how it goes. And uh, we'll talk to everybody in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye.